It was my honor and my privilege to record a session with Victoria Lowe. Her story is fascinating, certainly very inspiring for me. I just hope that you all enjoy it. Uh, Take some notes, share with your friends, and I'll talk to you on the other side. Love, peace, and hair grease. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Welcome back, Victoria. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, hello, everyone. Um, Love, peace, and hair grease, as I always say. Leighton, we're back again to share stories, ideas, and principles that inspire us to improve in areas of faith, family, and finance. Now, today, it's a privilege for me to introduce a woman with an incredible story, Um, someone who has accomplished some amazing things in her life. But what I believe is the best is yet to come. So let me introduce to everybody here, Victoria Lowe. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be. Awesome. We are so excited to have you. I personally, this is a big thing for me. Um, You know, you've been such a, a great mentor and friend to me. And some of the things that you've shared and with me has made such a huge impact in the life of myself and my family because I I share them. So I'm really happy and grateful that we can start to maybe share those with others as well. Wonderful. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. So, you know, how I wanted to kind of maybe start today is, you know, as I look back, you know, you shared with me, you know, you grew up in St. Louis and, you know, I'm trying to maybe have a projection as to, you know, how you became Victoria Lowe and, if you were to maybe think back to when you were growing up as a child, I guess, how would your friends and family describe you? How would they describe Victoria Lowe? Oh, my gosh. I was so shy as a child. And so I was always hiding behind my mother's skirt. You know, that person who never had anything to say and just peeping out from the back and being a middle child watching Mm. my two sisters, you know, I wasn't the oldest. I wasn't the youngest. My oldest sister was very outspoken and vibrant and beautiful and outgoing. My Mm. youngest sister was spoiled and cute and (laughs) got all the attention. And I was just kind of hiding. But I once had an uncle who said something to me that said, you were just there downloading everything at that point Mm -hmm. in your life. And, and I believe that to be true because as I got to college, it's just like somebody turned the computer on and instead of downloading, I was now sharing data and life just opened up like a flower. So I came from very humble beginnings as quiet, but I came from very entrepreneurial parents that I saw as a child as African-American parents in the 60s stepping mm. out by faith and trusting God for so much more, you know, being in business, my dad buying dump trucks and tractors and doing things that people told him he could not do. He's just stepping out doing it. And so I'm downloading all of this that I'm seeing my parents do and running this multi-million dollar business as a child, Um, just watch, just watching and taking it in. So I think that had an amazing impact on me on what's possible. Wow. So, you know, you mentioned you were shy as a kid. I mean, I can't, I cannot imagine you being very shy. <laughs> I was so shy. My mother says now I'm making up for lost time because I'm always talking now. And my boyfriend tells me I talk, you know, I'm such the talker. 
I, I'm making up for lost time because I you couldn't get a peep out of me. Wow. And, you know, from being so shy and then all of a sudden heading to college and it's like you said, a light bulb turned on, I guess. What happened, I guess? What, what did you see that made you now feel the confidence to, to be Victoria Law as we see today? You know, I think I just saw life happening and it was happening without me. And I just made the decision. Mm. I was no longer going to let that be because I was kind of living through my oldest sister. And I was like, nope, I got to step up. I got to step up and step out and and tell people who I am and connect with people and love on people and enjoy life. And so I just got tired of watching life. You know, today to me, so many people are watching these television shows and, and all these reality mm. shows. They're, they're watching other people live their life instead of them stepping up and living theirs. Um, and so that's, I just decided I, I didn't want to see it go down like that. I needed to live this life. I needed to ride this thing. Wow. So, you know, Missouri, now I've been to St. Louis um, I went back to St. Louis, I think it was 2006. Uh, what do they call it? The Gateway to the West. Is that right? Yeah, the Gateway to the West. The My dad gateway. actually helped build the arch. Are you serious? Yeah, I remember as a kid actually watching the arch come up out of the ground. And my dad did all the dirt work, the excavation and all of that. And he would take us down on the job. So we got a chance to be a part of that coming together. And it's part of our family legacy. Wow. That is that is unbelievable. Yeah, certainly seeing things like that are so inspiring, I think, to someone young to see, you know, your family um, make so much progress. And as you said, in the 60s, where things weren't always, um, you know, easy for black families back then. No, not easy at all. And especially a family that had migrated from Mississippi, you wow. know, to, to find a better life. So one of my dad's brothers migrated to Missouri and my dad came and followed saying, hey, there's opportunity, much more opportunity mm. and a lot less conservative than the South. And right. so the whole family migrated up one brother at a time, like 14 brothers. One brother at a time until our whole family was in St. Louis and opportunity hit. My dad worked for... um Oh gosh, can't think of the name of the company right mm -hmm. now. Uh, my dad worked for the Boeing right. and we did that for a little while. And that led him into the trucking business. And my dad started buying trucks and I have pictures when I was four or five and six standing next to Davidson hauling and excavating on the side of the dump trucks. Wow. Um, and just watching him develop that back in the 60s where you know, discrimination was running rampant. And my dad just pressing past all of that going, nope, this is possible. This is my dream. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so literally amazing story to watch unfold. I think um, that sounds so amazing to, to be inspired by someone in your own family. I mean, we often look to, um, you know, the, the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk of the world, and yet in your own home, you have, you know, your father and mother leading the way um, as entrepreneurs in a difficult time. I mean, you think that was maybe the catalyst for you to, to start to go into business later on in life? Oh, I, I know that it was. Um, you know, what we don't understand is people and many of us didn't come from that background. Mm. And, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of baggage that comes from that background. There's a lot of stress right. also. 
So, but many of us don't come from that background, but what we expose our spirit to mm-hmm. is, is what will soon develop. And the same thing with our children. You know, if we don't expose them to more, then they can't be more. So our exposure is huge. So I was exposed to it. So I had the spirit of entrepreneurship my whole life. Right. You know, so it's very, very important to expose your spirit to the things that you want in life. And if they don't aren't in your family or whatever, you can still expose yourself to it. So I absolutely believe my spirit was exposed to entrepreneurship very early on. And so that was a natural course for me because it was already in my spirit. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I think that one thing that you just said there that really kind of resonates with me heavily is it, if you can't expose them to more, they can't be more. I mean, that is that is pretty profound. That's for everyone. That is in everything. If you don't expose yourself to it, because the way God created us, we have to believe it's so. And and the way we believe is so is by exposure. Mm. That's why it's important for more people to travel to different places in the world, because we get so used to how things are done where we're from. Well, you go to Africa, it's done very differently. Mm. You go to Asia, you go to Europe, you see things differently and done differently. So now your mind can open up to different possibilities. Oh, this isn't just the only way to do this. There's 10 other ways to do this, you know? And so, but exposure is, is huge. You can expose yourself through books. You can expose yourself through videos. You can expose yourself through events, organizations, Mm -hmm different groups, people. Mm -hmm. There's just so many ways to expose yourself. If you want to get in the entertainment business, you need to be exposed to the entertainment business. If you want to write a book, you need to expose yourself to the book writing industry. Mm. So those are the things. And now your mind, there's a psychological step that happens. There's a seed that's planted in your mind psychologically. Mm -hmm. It's now possible. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I think I was listening to um, uh, Gary V. And one of the things that he was talking about is, you know, one of the biggest epidemics that we have right now is, is, as you said, right at the beginning, people watching other people's life and saying and not doing. And we've got to get out there and and be exposed to the things in which we want to improve in our lives. Right. Whether it be in entrepreneurship, we want to be better speakers, uh, you know, better Christians, even, you know, all of those things are going to be really important to just get that exposure. Whatever that, whatever that dream is, Mm. while while you were talking, I was just thinking exposure is the seed of possibility. Mm. Wow. Because what you expose yourself to, you just now planted a seed that is possible because now I can see it. I can see, you know, the steps I can see other people have done it. I've been, I'm around those people. Mm. Um, amazing, amazing. If you're listening to this right now and um, you heard that exposure is the seed of possibility, my recommendation is to write that one down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a key that word. That's, that's a key word. Exposure is the seed of possibility. Um, let's expose ourselves, grab as many seeds as we can and start, start planting so we can harvest later. Um, that is awesome. Now, you know, Victoria, you mentioned, so you started off as a shy kid. You were downloaded information, downloaded data, seeing your parents, you know, go through, build companies, through the highs and uh, highs and lows, the ups and the downs. And then you left and went to college. And that's where the light kind of turned on a few. I guess 
what was that experience like um, now going into college and, and leaving the family behind and starting to forge your own path? You know, it was so crazy to tell you how shy I really was. <laughs> I followed my oldest sister to college. Wow. I, I I didn't go somewhere on my own. I was so used to being in her shadow. I just followed where she went, I went. Mm. And then a very interesting dynamic took place that I think was a little shocking for her. Mm -hmm. I kind of started taking over for myself. And then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And an example of it, um, she and I were both invited to be little sisters of a fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she got invited to be a sweetheart. I got invited to be a sweetheart. So here's her shy middle sister, mm -hmm. you know, kind of following her footsteps. And then two years later, I'm queen of the organization. Wow. And then that goes on and I'm queen two times in a row, which had never been done. And she's kind of looking like, what just happened? <laughs> and I'm kind of looking like, whoa, I'm stepping into my own and doing it with a confidence and boldness, not an arrogance, right. but a confidence and boldness probably even above what I saw her doing, wow. you know, and she was the outgoing one and I was the shy one, but mm -hmm. just seeing, you know, God open me up like a flower and allow my gifts, my talent, my personality, my spirit, my soul mm -hmm. to now open up for people to see who I am. And people embrace that on such a large scale. You know, as you, as you mentioned that, you know, my thought goes to, you know, people, tend to treat us in a way in which we kind of project, right? And they may be used to you being the shy person and, you know, following behind your sister. And all of a sudden, you know, your wings start to grow and you start to sprout uh, and become, you know, a, a beautiful flower in that sense. And, you know, how did you react? Did people start to treat you slightly differently? Like, how did that impact those relationships? And how did you deal with now being, you know, the queen, the leader, you know, and, being the person to kind of drive things forward. Oh, I think it impacted all the relationships, especially with my older sister. And it still has mm. where now she'll say, well, you the oldest sister anyway. I mean, there'll be <laughs> comments that she'll let me know that it's kind of had some damage and, mm. and it had some damage on me also because I would some, so when I'm around her, sometimes I try to dummy down who I was mm. because I didn't want to outshine her or, or make her feel bad. Right. And I, and I love my older sister and I, we were just so close. We've had our battles, right? but I had to get to the point where I still had to be who I was. I could no longer dummy myself down mm. to try to make her feel comfortable. I had to be me even around her. And so that was a transition mm. um, for us. And I think still at times it is because my role became pretty dominant in my family. It became pretty dominant, um, overall in my relationships mm -hmm. and so everybody kind of had to get used to that but I got to the place where I had to be authentically me no matter who that affected and yeah. it, it was never my desire to hurt anyone but I still had to be true to me mm -hmm. or life just wasn't going to be what it's supposed to be so that was one of the lessons in life and I think that's a keeper you have to be authentically you mm -hmm. it is just so important Wow. You know, I can imagine right now there's so many um, women in particular struggling in with this, you know, as, you know, God has created them to be leaders and, and given them gifts and talents. And as they start to grow into those gifts and talents, you know, their people around them, you know, maybe 
deal with jealousy or insecurity and things that now lead them to try to pull them down. And yet they still have to push forward because God has given them a vision. God has given them um, inspiration uh, and they've still got to push forward and fulfill that. Uh, so I guess, what would your advice be to someone, you know, who's is feeling that now that they, they're growing into their own, but they're worried around about the people around them, I guess, what would be the one thing you would give to them and say, you know, grab onto this, you know, hold on to this and, and keep moving forward. Well, I, I think life is all about making decisions mm. and your choices. You asked me what changed in college. I made a decision to live a certain kind of life that I was going to live out loud. Mm. Um, I was not going to stay in a bubble. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. You're back. You know what? What stops people? I think are two things. It's the judgment of other people, and that's mm. driven off our insecurity. So mm. we have to stop worrying about what other people think of us. And we have to stop being insecure and going through all the negativity. And I, and I say all the time that insecurity is the, is, is the cousin of fear. So really right. insecurity is driven by fear. And then we allow that insecurity for us to look to other people to validate us. Mm. And so you cannot live that way because you will never please other people. You will never be who they want you to be. You have to be who God created you to be. And so mm. the Bible tells us that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And mm -hmm. so we cannot allow fear to drive us into insecurity and then looking for validation from other people. We have to believe what the word says and that God created us. He didn't make any mistakes. You are whole and mm. you got you, he's he's validated you. And so with mm. that, you now don't look for other people to do that for you. And now instead of allowing fear to drive you, you let faith drive you. Where mm. now instead of looking at, well, what if I fail? You look at, well, what if this works? Because right. if you don't try it, you've already failed because you never. Right. So you're driven by faith instead of fear. And so you don't allow insecurity and the judgment of other people and the validation of other people determine your world and your life and your journey. Mm. I love that. You know, as you say that, I think of, you know, in today's society, we have so many um, things, uh, exposure to so many different things, particularly through the media that try to tell us how to be right, how to look. You know, you've got Instagram models who are photoshopping yes. everything, right? Every every entrepreneur seems to be making millions and millions of dollars and driving Lamborghinis, right? We have the nicest dress. Everybody's traveling. And so if we don't measure up to those things, there's a sense in which we haven't been successful. And so we base our success on worldly measures, so to speak, material things. And I guess how does one gain a perspective, as you said there, you know, my success is in how doing the thing that God has created me to be and to be who he has created me to be and then live out. And those things may or may not come, but they don't determine who I am. Like, I guess, what would you say to someone who's struggling with the external pressures in terms of the media, um, you know, even sometimes employers telling us, you know, in order to be successful, you have to be this? Well, I think the best teacher 
is learning from other people. Mm. And I, I've had a lot of money and I've had no money. Mm. Um, and, and I will tell you, it's not the money that makes you. It's not the car that you drive that makes you. Um, I know so many people that have material things and they're some of the most unhappy people that I know. Right. And so we can't get so caught up in just the whole material things that we see, the whole Instagram mm -hmm. life where people are posing. I was talking about someone the other day that I was concerned about to a friend mm -hmm. that, I, that I wanted to pray about. And I was like, I'm concerned that she's trying to paint this picture on social media that life is wonderful. And she's, she's so busy painting this picture She's not looking at the things that need to be fixed so she can really live a joyful life. Right. So this world, we can get so caught up in the Facebook and the Instagram and making it, oh, I'm over here in Cape Town, <laughs> South Africa, and I'm having a wonderful time. Right. Where you're really not, but you made the you might be there, but you've taken your misery with you. Right. And so I think we can learn a lot from other people. And you know, we can look at people and, and even talk to the the what I call the sitting at the feet of greatness, the elderly, having conversations, you talk to older people. And if you ever talk to someone older, it's in their 90s or 80s and say, what do you regret? Mm -hmm. And they will tell you that they regret getting caught up in the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. They would have loved harder, laughed louder, danced more, mm -hmm. not had more money, had a bigger car, not have a bigger house. Those are the things they would say to you. Right. And so I think we can learn from other people that there's nothing wrong with beautiful things. And Lord knows I love beautiful things. Mm -hmm. But I tell people all the time, I make the car. It doesn't make me. Right. Because it doesn't matter what kind of car you're in. If you're not happy and enjoying where you're going in it and loving the people you're around. So really life is about several things that we have to have, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We have to have relationships. We have to have good, good community, good connection. People that we do life with. Right. We have to be doing the things that fulfill us. Right. And that's one of the things I'm getting back to in life. You raise your kids, you got to earn money, but doing more of the things that fulfill me, that make me happy, I would do it for free. Right. Like this, for this podcast, right. you know, sharing, encouraging. Um, and so we have to do that. Um, and we just have to do the things that give us peace. Right. That's really what's important, whether you're in a 6,000 square foot house or you're in a 500 square foot apartment mm -hmm. or you're living with someone and got a one bedroom, 200 you know, square feet bedroom, whatever it might right. be, because misery will go with you if you're miserable. And I don't I don't care where you take it. It's going to be heavy. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things. And I look at life. Having things are great. But if you don't have the foundation of community, fulfillment and peace. It doesn't matter what you have and where you go. It's just not going to be fulfilling. Like having the, those three and living in, that's what I call living out loud. Living out loud. Now you're living living out loud. That, that Those are the three things to me you have to have. Awesome. Um, I, you know, as you say that relationships, um, I certainly understand that, you know, the time that we've shared together and we've connected, you know, I've seen how even in myself, I've been inspired and, and grown through you and, as you said earlier about exposure, I can see more. Um, even for me to, to come and do this podcast is in, in part because you've inspired me to do that. And um, I love doing this. We inspired, we've inspired each other. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, to, to kind of pivot a little bit, because, you know, we talked about 
you mentioned the money and you've been in positions where you've had and, and managed the company with, with, with lots of money. Can you talk about that transition a little bit? Like when you went from, you know, university, went to college and then kind of went out on your own and started working and, and making money. Like how did that whole, whole thing work? What was the story around that? Well, it's so crazy because I tell people I've been in the, I've been from the pit to the palace, <laughs> from the pit um, to the palace. you know, so yeah, I've, I've, I've had, you know, a lot of money and I've, I literally started a staffing company from my living room when my, my daughter Brianna wow. was six months old and God spoke to me and said that, you know, you're to serve. And so my serving was through, cause I was in human resources and recruiting mm-hmm. through putting people to work. And so I literally had an experience in my living room one day. My daughter was probably three months old and we just bought a house in Ladera Heights in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex-husband and I, mm-hmm. and I was standing near the living room window and there was no furniture in there yet. It was just empty. We didn't have the money for furniture and the house. Wow. And I was standing by the window and my baby girl was in her little rocker on the floor there in the living room. And I heard God whisper to me in my spirit and said, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what I have for you. Wow. And through that word, he was telling me about the staffing company and that, you know, you are in start a staffing your own staffing company. I'd worked in the staffing industry and that I'm going to take it to higher heights. And um, I trusted God with that and literally, you know, ran my credit cards up, got a $10,000 loan from a young lady that ended up coming in the business with me. Mm-hmm. And she and I started out the staffing company. Our first client was EDS, which was a very large company that also came through community, a relationship. My ex-husband mm-hmm. had to go to Dallas and we met some people and I met a guy, Herman Proctor, and I ended up starting the company and looked up. We had 80 people out there. Looked up, it ended up being about a million dollar company. Um, God spoke to me and said, do a partnership. We ended up partnershipping. Um, Overall, the company became about a $250 million company and with offices all over the country, 6,000 temporary employees, about 200 internal employees. And so I just watched the hand of God from standing at that window, whispering into my spirit, saying, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what I have for you, Mm. to God bringing it to fruition to being on the B Black Enterprise 100 list, um, to walking through conferences and, you know, DC and all kinds of governmental um, awards and accolades from the governors and Mm. um, all over the mayors and community, um, just crystal awards everywhere, watching the hand of God. And the good news is, is I never got, boastful I I always knew it was God's hand it wasn't me it was God's hand and I tell people I still don't know why other than for his glory he took a little girl from St. Louis to do all of this through right now the other side of that I ended up in a battle with one of the companies that I partnered with Mm -hmm. and ended up going through over six years of litigation against a $17 billion partner, losing the company and coming out of it with a $20 million bankruptcy and over $5 million piercing the corporate veil and hitting me personally. So when I tell you I've been from the palace, from the pit to the palace to the pit, (laughs) is how I probably should say it. Right. Um, but But even through that, understanding who you are and it's not based on what you have it's just who you are right i'm a i'm a woman of god that's filled with power strength and might 
because of my faith, mm. but because of my father. And so being able to walk through all of that without losing your mind right. and understanding that God has a plan for your life. And so sometimes the palace is not always where you get to stay. You get to go back to the pit. Mm-hmm. So I call myself Joseph. I'm Josephette because I'm like Joseph. <laughs> right. You know, Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to go back to the That's pit good. is what I've learned. But here's what I learned in writing my first book, 10 Spiritual Principles of Successful Women, Mm -hmm. um, which if you haven't read it, it's a great read. It's out of print. You can get it really inexpensively on any um, book space. Um, I'm going to re-release it. And then my next book will come out, um, God willing, next year. Mm -hmm. But here's what I learned. Um, Say that again. We're going to make sure to include that for anybody who wants to read it. It'd be a great, great read for everybody. Right. 10 Spiritual Principles of sex, um, Successful Women by Victoria Lowe. But here's what I learned, you know, through this process. Mm. I thought my story was about the rise and the great things that God had done and how you take a little girl from St. Louis and take her from a living room to a $250 million corporation. Mm. Um, and that is part of the story. And it's a great part of the story. But that's not the greatest part of the story. The greatest part of the story is when you drop from 250 million to not just zero, Mm. but I'm talking about a deep pit where you go $5 million into personal debt. Wow. That's the greatest part of the story is to be able to still stand when you've been knocked down that hard and still know that you serve a powerful God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you're able to even think or imagine, mm. but that the story's not over yet. Right. If you don't quit, the story's not over. So the greatest part of the story is being able to hit the reset button and say, Lord, I've been knocked down and I've been knocked down hard. I'm not knocked out, but I am dazed, mm. but I'm going to get back up and greater works do you have for me to do and having enough faith to believe the victory is in the fall and the getting back up, not so much the rise. And that, that took a lot of God's love and encouragement um, to, to get to understand that's the greatest part of the story. That is, um, that's an unbelievable perspective because even as, as I think back to, you know, you shared your story with me before, that was a thing that stuck out to me was the fact that, you know, you started from, you know, the humble beginnings and rose your way up. But as you rightly pointed out, the, the actual descent, the, the, the strength of your faith. I mean, how did you manage to, I guess, what were the things that you did practically to keep your faith so strong in the midst of this, decline and you know people talking and what happened to victoria and this and the that like how do you manage to stay keep your faith so strong well there's a couple of things in that you it's also making a choice in life mm. because things are going to happen to us whether it's your health whether it's your finances whether it's your marriage whether whatever it is right. your family things are going to happen so you have to make a choice in where you stand on that are you going to have the pity party mm. or are you going to stay on Faith Avenue and the same God that was blessing you? Are you now mad at him now? Mm. So I, I always looked at it in making this decision. Well, Lord. So the first point is knowing who you are. Right. So, Lord, OK. 
I'm your child. I'm a woman of God. I'm built by faith and strength and 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 compassion and love. And I'm still the same Victoria today that I was when I had the $250 million company. So now it's a choice in how I choose to look at life. Mm-hmm. Am I now going to be mad at you where you didn't have to take a little girl from St. Louis and give her a $250 million company? Right. You chose to do that. So I'm now going to still rejoice and believe in you because I still know who I am in you. So there's the first choice. The second choice is to say, do I really have faith Mm. or is my joy and my life just based on circumstances? So is it really just happiness or is it really joy? Because see, happiness is built on what happens. Right. Joy is built on no matter what. Mm. And so my faith really is based on who I am. And I choose to know the same God that my word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Mm-hmm. So every day you get up, you have a choice in what you're going to believe and what you're going to stand on. And so I didn't feel like it, I could give God a pity party after all he's done for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Has there, have it been hard? Absolutely. But also when I was on the mountaintop, I'm going to just praise him then. I, I could not in my spirit say, Lord, I'm a fair weather believer. Right. And so that's really what who who I am because the who's I am and deciding to live by faith and joy, not happiness. Those are the two things. And all of that comes by because where does faith come from? Faith comes through the reading of the word. Mm. And so on a day, I have to feed my spirit so I don't allow the enemy to come in and allow insecurity and fear and all of those things to come in. So I stand on Isaiah 35, 4 that says, be strong, do not fear for your God will come. He will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Mm. So. If you stand on the word, now that builds your faith. Now that continues to tell you who you really are. Mm. So it doesn't matter about your circumstances today. Wow. Um, that is that is really touching my spirit right now. And, you know, I want everybody who's listening to this to remember. I mean, whenever I talk with Victoria, in my mind, you know, I'm thinking of so many young black women out there, entrepreneurs. But this speaks to everybody. You know, this is speaking to every man, woman, and child out there, you know, that we need to come to here, have that joy that is, um, that's regardless of circumstance. And um, reading our word, reading our Bible, feeding ourselves the right thing, exposing ourselves to to him through his word um, is going to transform us. And, you know, I have to say, it's not always the easiest thing to do. You know, it's easy to look at the circumstances, it's harder sometimes to look um at the one who is our provider but as you rightly pointed out that's why you have to stay in the word mm. because the enemy is going to constantly come and speak craziness to you right right oh you don't want to get out of bed it's not a good day you don't have any money in the bank right you don't want to talk to those people today right. it's not good the enemy's going to constantly come so that's why you have to feed yourself the word every day and that's our biggest problem is so many people just go to church on sunday and think it's enough right 
And it's not enough to just come to God on Sunday because the devil is coming for you every Right. day. Wow. That's another one, guys. Write that down. The devil is coming every day. It's not enough to go on Sunday alone. Um, whoo. As you say, this, this is speaking to my spirit now. Uh, thank you so much, Victoria, for sharing all of that. Um, I just want to ask a, a couple of questions here. And as I said, there's a, there's a few people in particular who have um, who are really important in my life and are, are starting out. They're trying to establish themselves in their own industry um, as leaders, as entrepreneurs. And I would say, I would ask, you know, what would be the, the one thing, or I shouldn't say the one thing, everybody wants to have the, the one secret or, or the one nugget, but I guess what type of advice would you give to someone starting out for, their, for the first time, trying to seek God's purpose for them specifically in, in their area of business or expertise? Um, what would you say to that person? I think what I would say to them, and, and this is all through my ministry over the last 15, 20 years, mm. I think the number one question I've gotten the most is, how do I find my purpose? Mm. Um, and, it, and it is a tough one because it requires something that most of us aren't willing to do. Mm. It requires for us to go be still and be quiet and spend time with God. Right. And, you know, I've been, you know, kind of I'm reading Priscilla Shriver's um, Bible study called um, Voice of God. Right. You know, how do you recognize when God is speaking? And so if you really want to know what you were created to do, you have to go to the person who created you. Mm -hmm. And so it requires I mean, and most of us will have inklings and things and I tell people it kind of starts with the things that you enjoy most when you do it. You just get excited. There's someone on the inside of you. Like when I speak and do these podcasts or when I get on stage, it's a different Victoria Lowe. Mm. It is right. it's an anointing that only could come from God. I just go to another level or when I'm writing and pouring out, you know, for a book or an article or something, something special comes out or when I'm coaching someone, right. um, this something special comes out. So those are my gifts, my talent, my purpose is to enlighten and enlift and encourage. I'm an encourager, mm -hmm. but I got that through spending time with the God that created me mm -hmm. and spending that time and seeking his voice and he will speak, but he's not going to speak over the television and over the radio and over the phone and all this noise that's around you. Right. He's not going to compete for your attention. Mm -hmm. He's look. he's a jealous guy. Right. He's looking for your love, your compassion and your commitment to him. And then he'll commit to you right. because I guarantee you he will speak. Right. And so for me, sometimes my environment can be too noisy and so when I really want to hear from God, I'll go somewhere like a park or somewhere that I can get in a different space where there's no distractions. I can't go to the kitchen. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't pick up this and eat and do all these different things that are little distractions, but they're distractions. Right. So sitting in a park on a bench with the, with the wind blowing 
you know, and sometimes I'll start with just some gospel music, whatever, just to kind of enter in. Mm. But even I shut that off as a while because I want nothing to interrupt God's voice. Mm. And we all get off course and get distracted. And I've been off course lately and I'm trying to enter back in. That's why I'm in this study, the voice of God, to just try to enter back in so tightly. We're just getting God's arms and just let him hug on you and speak to you. Um, it's just where you have to go. That's the only place, only place you're going to really go and get that fully. Um, but most people aren't willing to dedicate the time and, and you can't go spend 10 minutes and think he's just going to pour out a a life of, you know, it's gotta be something he wants to see your consistency. He wants to see your commitment to Mm -hmm. it. Um, and then he will speak. I promise you, he will speak. Right. You know, as you say that, um, I think of uh, Ray Lewis because he, he said this um, in one of his speeches. If you want a, a good relationship with your wife, you got to work at it. If you want a good relationship with God, you got to work at it. You got to put in the time, yeah. you got to put in the effort, and you got to show up every day. Yeah, it requires good communication. It requires time. Mm-hmm. It requires good communication. Mm-hmm. It requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And com- and it requires commitment. Mm-hmm. That's what a good relationship requires. Or it you'll find very quickly it's not a good relationship. Mm. No because with, for a good wife, or you could be an example. There are times that have a good relationship with your wife. You got to go places with her. You probably don't want to go. <laughs> so Victoria, are, you, are you spying on me? <laughs> I know. I'm just, just most man. husbands. <laughs> My boyfriend say the same thing. He's like. It's not that I want to go, but she wants to go, so I'm going to go. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Now, when you get there, you usually have a good time, too. But you really didn't want to go. You really didn't want to go. But you go because she wanted to go. Right. So they're all in a relationship. There's always sacrifices. Mm. Same thing with God. Right. And, you know, as I, as I as you say that as well, you know, I, even those times when I've, I've gone out there, you said I've enjoyed them. And I've, I found myself actually growing. Like as a person, when, I, oh, yeah. when you deny yourself certain things, you know, you deny yourself um, the pleasures or whatever. I want to just sit home and relax and watch Netflix or something like that. And instead, you take the time out and do the thing that, you know, your spirit is telling you should do. You find yourself growing. You just feel like a couple inches taller. You never know what it'll be unless you go. That's right. You never know. You never know who you'll meet. It could be that one contact you've been really looking for. Right. But that things like that i think god gifts us through sacrifice Mm. that's why fasting is so beneficial we sacrifice the foods or if this that chocolate or whatever your thing is we sacrifice that through fasting so god we get god's attention because god loves us through sacrifice Mm. we get it because that tells him how it tells him how important it is to it to us and so it gets his attention that is guys this is another one right write this one down the sacrifice fasting whatever we're willing to give up is getting his attention it shows him that this is important to us i mean that is so profound i mean we're so used to doing the things that we want to do and just fulfilling our needs we don't even give a chance to let god speak to us by sacrificing something i mean that's that's a mic drop moment for me that's why he has fasting in the Bible. Mm. He didn't need us to fast. Right. God didn't need us to fast. The fasting was for us to show God how serious we are about it, how committed we are to it. Wow. 
I just want to let that one marinate for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one because it just makes sense when you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's an aha moment. It was a huge aha moment. And, you know, even now, firstly, I love doing these. And once again, I'm, I'm so thankful and appreciative for you coming on here. Um, you know, I really enjoy these conversations. I enjoy the ideas of, of getting better and, and moving forward. And sometimes, you know, you'll hear my voice and my excitement, but there are a lot of things happening in my life right now which are uncertain. And so, you know, it's a good reminder for me that with all of that, one, to have that good attitude, to, to understand that my happiness or my joy is independent of my circumstances. But two, also, I have a family and a responsibility um, to take care of my, my family, and God knows that. And so because it's important to me, perhaps I need to look at ways in which I can sacrifice to hear from him to know what my next step should be um, so he can guide me. So that was huge, uh, hugely profound for me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, that was great because now you just put the whole puzzle together. Mm -hmm. that, that, was, that was well said, beautifully done. Wow. Victoria, wow. Whew. I, honestly, I just feel, feel great in my spirit right now. So thank you so much for that. Um, no, thank you for the opportunity. And I look for many more. For whatever reason, God has joined us together mm -hmm. in this journey of sharing. And so maybe we'll commit to doing this a couple times a month or something oh, jointly as well. I would love that. Um, so, but I'm certainly open to it um, because I'm really stepping back up mm -hmm. to walk this thing out. Um, look, my calling in the ministry to share and enlighten and encourage um, because I certainly need it as well. You know, you right. just go through and you can get off focus or off your path. Right. And we all need each other. That's why the community is so important. Right. We need each other to stay focused and stay on the path. So I appreciate you so much and love you. Mm -hmm. And you um, just excited about the things God is doing in your life. Mm. And um, cannot wait to see the amazing journey. Cannot wait. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you, Victoria. I want to make sure that we, we honor the time today. And um, I hope everybody took notes down. Um, I certainly did. I have a ton of notes here. Uh, thank you for sharing, Victoria. And we look forward to the next time we'll plan over the next few weeks when we will do another one. So um, remember, uh, Victoria's book, I'll make sure that I have all the details there as well. If anybody wants to... Um, uh, read that book, share it with your friends. As Victoria has her podcast and contacts set up, I'll make sure I pass it on to everybody, all right? So take care. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you. Be blessed, everyone. All right. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you all enjoyed that, Victoria. It was a pleasure spending time with you. Um, if you guys have any questions and want to reach out to Victoria, uh, please let me know. I'll make sure that I include her contact details as well for everybody. Take care. Love, peace, and hair grease. Till next time. <laughs>